Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for today, we see these Herodians entering on the scene, and we haven't seen them before. Herodians essentially were supporters of King Herod. That's how they got their name. Now, we all know King Herod was the governor of Palestine, but it was a puppet government set up by the Romans. The Herodians essentially were Jewish people that collaborated with the Romans in helping them occupy Israel. Now, notice the significance here. The Herodians and the Pharisees hated each other. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were loyal Jews who essentially hated living under the oppression of the Romans. Now, these Herodians essentially were just the opposite of the Pharisees. They essentially had their loyalty tied to Caesar, and that's why the Pharisees hated them. The Pharisees were loyal patriots of Israel. And yet now, these common enemies have come together to fight an even greater enemy, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what we see at the very beginning of the gospel story for today. Now, after conspiring, they contrive a way to trap Jesus so that they may find enough evidence to kill him. Now, notice how it begins. They start buttering Jesus up. They use flattery to catch him off guard. It says, the Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Well, in Jesus' time, as well as in our time, religious and political matters were very closely connected. Therefore, this question is incredibly volatile, and it seems like the perfect trap. Why? Well, to pay the tax to Caesar was controversial and a source of great acrimony since the Romans occupied Israel. And part of that money of the tax went to the Roman army themselves to feed them and pay them. The other remaining portion of the tax went to Rome in tribute to Caesar. Now, unlike our taxes, when we pay taxes, we essentially recognize that those tax dollars go to th such things like schools and roads. So we benefit by that. But for the Israelites, they didn't. It all went to the Romans. Now, anyone living under this suppression would naturally hate their occupiers. So if Jesus answers yes in support of the tax, then he appears to be a supporter of the Romans. He's a collaborator, a sympathizer. Worse yet, he's not a good Jew or a good patriot. Now, if he answers no, it's not lawful to pay the tax. We shouldn't support it or pay it. Now he is a patriot, which is good. But now he appears to the Romans as being an opponent to them 
And so now he's labeled as an agitator or an enemy of the state of Rome. Either way, regardless of his answer, he has some religious or political group in opposition to him. It appears Jesus has been trapped and he can't win. Great example of this are the reporters, especially during this election year. You know, sometimes, no matter how a candidate answers a question, they will never be able to please everyone. There's always going to be some group that is put off or offended by their answer. Now, what does Jesus say? It says, He knew the malice in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. They handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is it? And whose inscription? They replied, Caesar. Now, Jesus essentially gives away a very clever response. He says, Pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and pay to God what belongs to God. And yet, in his response, it's opened up debate and interpretation throughout the centuries. It appears, at first, Jesus is implying that there's a clear demarcation line between church and state, a clear and distinct separation, when he says, Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. So it's very easy to come to that conclusion. Now take this answer from Christ at a deeper level. We are all citizens of two cities, that of the world and the city of God. So how do we straddle both cities? Can we both live in harmony with each other? Or are we constantly jumping back and forth between the world and the city of God? Well, the first answer to the question is that both cities can live harmoniously together. The world as well as heaven can live together and not in opposition to each other. They shouldn't be because they both were created by God. But we have to realize politics, economics, healthcare, the sciences, art, all those things, they all have a legitimate function in our world. We recognize that there are people who are skilled and competent in those professions. And so we render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Okay, that's good. But we also render to God what belongs to God. So it begs the question, what belongs to God? Everything. Politics, the economics, healthcare, arts, the sciences, everything. It all belongs to God. Everything in this world belongs to God including Caesar himself. See, there is no dark or clear demarcation line that cuts between God, religion, versus all of the things in this world. Again, things like the economy, the stock market, healthcare, politics, they all have a legitimate function in our society. But they also belong to and fall under the influence of God. I'll give you a great example of this. Turn to the first reading. Here we have King Cyrus of Persia. He didn't know anything about God. And yet, Isaiah tells us that Cyrus nonetheless operated to fulfill God's plan. King Cyrus conquered the Babylonians. Now, remember, the Israelites were slaves to the Babylonians at this time. And so, King Cyrus raises up an army, his Persian army, and he leads that Persian army into battle against the Babylonians and defeats them. Next, King Cyrus sets the Israelites free. He allows them to return home. Now they are free people again. 
And see, Cyrus was operating under God's influence, according to God's designs. And so, politics, the economy, the stock market, healthcare, the sciences, they're not independent of God. Now, why is this so important for us? Well, our country prides itself on that demarcation line. A great example of this is Thomas Jefferson. He gives us that famous quote, We will tolerate religion as long as it is privatized. It's held only in the privacy of one's heart. But don't bring that into the public eye. And so we render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. All things have a legitimate role and a function in our society, in our world. And yet, they all have to be informed by religious principles. That's what's important. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is getting at here. Yes, politics, the economy, the stock market, healthcare, the sciences, art, all those things, they have a legitimate role to play in our society. And yet, at the same time, we recognize the Pope shouldn't be in charge of the world government. Bishops should not be in charge of the New York Stock Exchange or the economy. Priests should not be in charge of the healthcare system. That's because that is outside of their realm and their competency. There are more competent people to do those things, more competent people to run our government, to be in charge of the economy, our stock exchange, our healthcare system. But our Christian values should always be forming and influencing all aspects of our society. And that's what Jesus means by render to God what belongs to God. And so the economy, essentially social decisions, the sciences, politics, healthcare, those should always be influenced by Christian values. See, then we render to God what belongs to God. And so you ask the question, okay, So how do I apply this in my own life? Well, first, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Well, if you work in law enforcement, if you are a police officer or a judge, you should always enforce the laws with no partiality whatsoever. Teachers, if you teach in a school, you should always teach the truth, not your own opinion. How about doctors, nurses, anyone working in the healthcare profession? You should always help and heal people and not discriminate against them. And yet, also give to God what belongs to God, which means what? Whatever we do, whatever profession we work in, whether it's healthcare, law enforcement, the economy, school systems, whatever it is, it should always be informed and shaped by our Christian values, the values of faith, hope, and love, the values of prudence, patience, charity, and compassion. You see, all these values are embodied by Jesus Christ, and they all play a legitimate role in our society. But we have to recognize always, whatever we do should always be influenced and formed by God's values. See, then we can do exactly what Jesus says. We can repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.